Hi, good morning, church. Uh, welcome to our Sunday worship service of Free Community Church. You know, I know it's pretty tough. Um, we used to be able to worship in our premises, but due to the uh, heightened alert, we decided to move the entire thing to be online. So thank you for joining us today morning online. And if it's your first time here and you, you have not subscribed to us, remember to click on the subscribe button and, oh, and the bell icon itself. So I'm really very glad, as I mentioned, that you can join us today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us online. As we start the service today, you know, unfortunately we can't meet on-site. All of you are online. I still invite you guys to greet each other by typing hi, hello, welcome if you are currently, uh, you know, if you are a, a, a regular members of SEC. If it's your first time, don't be shy to say hi. To be honest, if you're watching us in YouTube, we don't know who you are because your name, you can put any name you are, but we just want to know that your presence is very important. So please type hi, you know, welcome. This is my first time. It's okay. We really welcome you. So let us prepare our heart for the time of worship. Let us prepare for the call to worship. Drawn by God's presence, we gather. Inspired by God's Spirit, we worship. Empowered by God's grace, we live. We are community. Embraced by the mystery of God's love for all creation. We are a community that looks for the light of Christ. The light that shines in every time, every place, and every life. Within this dynamic community, we foster connection and experience that brings meaning to life and help us face the issues of the day. Together we strive to live with loving hearts, open minds, and hands extended to all. Welcome home. Amen. Amen. As we go towards the worship session, I invite everybody to quiet down your heart and worship together at home. Of your mercy and your love I will say this is the day That the Lord has made I hold on to your promise And your resurrection power Restore to me your joy I will praise you now I will sing of your faithfulness Of your mercy and your love I will say this is the day Restore to me your joy, I will praise you now. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord our Savior reigns, and the joy of the Lord shall
of life on this Pentecost Sunday we ask that you breathe on us once again may our consciousness tend to your touch we hunger for the life changing power that the Holy Spirit brings good morning everyone 
I'd like you all to open your eyes. You know, as the situation continues to change across the world, we witness the widening of poverty, inequality, selfishness, racism, discrimination, sadness, pain, war, and death. I'd like to invite you, I'm going to take a few minutes to invite you guys to actually pray with us, to worship with us by, have, by doing your own simple prayer at home for this world or for anyone is currently in your mind. Maybe your family member, maybe your cell group member. You know, sometimes what we need was just this little prayer. After which, I will close this prayer segment. But at the same time, I also like to invite you to type Amen after my prayer so that it can be a blessing to the people you are praying for or simply for everyone in this world who is a brother and sister of Christ. Let us pray now. Living God, just as the outpouring of your Holy Spirit on Pentecost, so we drastically change the life of the disciple. May the burning fire of your Holy Spirit refine and renew us so that we will never be the same. Lifting us up when we are down, turning our scars to stars. May we move in the power of the Spirit, May our life and ministry be infused with a divine, supernatural touch and authority. May the spirit of wisdom and revelation cause us to grow in our knowledge of you. As may our life exemplify the fruit of your spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you for your love. As you never fail, never give up, never run out for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please type Amen. Also, invite you all in the chat group so that you know, we can also send this blessing to everyone who is watching today.
Good morning and welcome to FCC. Today we are going into the last segment actually of our sermon series, Living a Resurrected Life. I want to join you, uh, I want to invite you to join us by participating in this sermon. Um, you can go into menti.com and as you can see on your screen, you can use the code 7838-8508. 7838-8508. Right? And this will be our way of being able to interact, especially in this time uh, when I may not be able to see a lot of you face to face, but we can hear one another, uh, we can input uh, together into this sermon so that it builds together, um, not just what I feel like I want to say, but I really want to hear from you, uh, your insights, your experiences as well. All right, So please come on to menti.com and we will start together. So this Sunday, we're looking at the disciple who failed and how failure can sometimes be an important step and gateway towards our growth as a resurrected people. So I'm very curious, when I say the disciple who failed, who comes to mind? Who in your mind is the disciple who failed? All right, so, you know, whoever comes to your mind, you know, type it in. You know, I don't want to see, like, you know, who are the people that um, somehow kind of like when you say failed, you know, uh, comes uh, quite strongly to you, right? I see Peter, a uh, very, very big name there, yes. So I see a lot of you, I said Peter, yes. Judas, yes. All of us, yes. Mark, all of them, yes. Me, yes. And that's very reflective, right? Because we are all disciples as well. And we fail at times, all right? Yes. So I see Thomas as well, yes. So Peter and Judas seems to take like uh, the biggest spots, right? With Peter, I think, winning a little bit more. Every disciple, yes. So thank you for just sharing your thoughts with me, right? And thank you also for being so expansive in your thoughts because you're absolutely right that when we talk about the disciple who failed, yes, we're talking about people like Peter, but we're talking about people like you and me as well. All of us have failed at some point. Well, Peter, Peter who said to Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. And hours later, he denied three separate times that he even knew Jesus. Peter who resorted to violence and cut off the servant's ear, if you remember, even though Jesus taught them to love their enemies. And Peter wasn't the only one who failed, of course. That Easter weekend, most of his disciples were filled with fear, and they ran away and they hid. 
And we are no different from Peter or the other disciples. We have all failed at some point in the past, and we still fail sometimes. Even though we are a new creation, the Bible says, but in this life, we are a work in progress, and there are moments we fail. So I think living a resurrected life means knowing we will all fail at times, but, and this is important, but failure can be a gateway towards growth. In fact, I would say being a resurrected people doesn't mean we won't fail or make mistakes, but does mean we allow God to help us grow through them to become better people. There is a certain amount of grace that comes to us when we are willing to face our failures squarely, seeking to learn what we can from our missteps and our mistakes. Indeed, failures are fertile ground for growth. Do you remember this scene after the resurrection where Jesus comes to Peter? And this is found in John chapter 21. Peter had gone back fishing and the other disciples went with him. Perhaps he needed just a moment to do something familiar, something that he knew, as he digested and tried to make sense of all that had happened with Jesus' death and resurrection. So they spent the whole night trying to fish, but caught nothing. Sounds familiar? And morning comes, and they see a man standing on the beach. And once again, just as before, they don't recognize him. The risen Christ is different. They don't recognize that it's Jesus until his clear instructions on where to cast their net yields a staggering amount of fish. And then their eyes are opened, and Simon Peter, the one who was trying to get away from it all to begin with, this Peter, he jumps into the sea to swim as fast as he can to Jesus' side. So I want to pause at this moment and to ask you, if you were Jesus, and you see Peter swimming towards you excitedly, what would be the first thing you would ask or say to Peter? Right? This Peter who denied you three times, this Peter who went and ran and hid, and this is the first time you're seeing him face to face, what would, you be, what would be the first thing you would ask him or that you would say to him if you were Jesus? Right? I forgive you. Wow. <laughs> so gracious. That's wonderful. Peace be with you. Okay. I forgive you. It's wonderful. Get lost, you betrayer. Yeah, I think that one a bit more real, right? <laughs> like you, you betrayed me. The one that you know, like the one that I thought loved me. Have you eaten? <laughs> That's a good one, right? Uh, very uh, Asian as well, right? Have you? Uh, have you eaten? <laughs> Give him a big hug. Oh, teacher, is it you? Chill, relax, relax. <laughs> don't, don't need to be so jingzang, right? <laughs> don't need to be so excited, right? Yeah, do you love me? Wow, yeah. A lot of you know this story, right? Hey, now you recognize me. Ah. <laughs> Go back, my child, for I'm not able to stay. I hope you're well, but I'm sad you run away from me, but I still love you, okay? Slow down. Hello, son. Big hug. 
Swim carefully. <laughs> okay, don't drown. Okay. I'll ask for an apology and acknowledgement that he has harmed me. Yes, that's very real, right? That's what most of us would probably want to do. Um, why did you do that? That would be the natural first question, right? Any of us would ask, right? Why did you do that? Why did you deny me at the moment when I needed you most? I miss you. <laughs> yes. What's up? <laughs> yes, indeed. All this could be very, very possible, right? That, yeah, that, that was... And, and some of those things are things that probably Jesus did say. You are now ready for bigger things. Yes. Do you believe now? Yes. Right? Very possible. Right. So what was the very first thing Jesus said to him? Okay. Some of you said, do you love me? Um, no, that was not the first thing. How's the day so far? <laughs> not so good. The fishing, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even sleep the whole night, right? So, yeah. So what was the very first thing that Jesus said to him? Jesus said, breakfast is ready. Very close to the have you eaten, right? Breakfast is ready. What tenderness and love in such a short, mundane-sounding phrase. Breakfast is ready. In those three words, Jesus was saying, I care about you and your needs, Peter. In those three words, Jesus was inviting Peter to the table again. Let's break bread. Let's share a meal together again, my friend. Let's talk. Breakfast is ready. And then after breakfast... Jesus turns to Simon Peter and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter, perhaps grateful to have the opportunity to say it, and to say it to Jesus' face, says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. It's a relief, right? After all that denial, lying and hiding, it's a relief to be able to say it, to be able to make it clear I love you. And Jesus replies, feed my lambs. And then Jesus asks him again, do you love me? I don't know if you've been asked this question before by anyone, or perhaps you, like Jesus, have asked this question too at some point. Do you love me? There's a vulnerability, a tentativeness around this question. And Jesus is making himself vulnerable because of love. And Peter replies again, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep, Jesus says. So is Jesus satisfied with his reply? Perhaps not. Because he asked Peter one more time, and we are told that Peter feels hurt. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter replies, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? What is this strange exchange all about? Is it about Jesus' need? Was Jesus being needy to ask again and again, do you love me? Or is it maybe about Peter's need. So let me ask you, why do you think Jesus asked Peter whether he loved him? 
and asked him three times, again and again. Why? Was he unconvinced? Was, his, was Jesus needy and needed to be assured? Was it because of Peter? Was it because Jesus saw something that Peter needed? Why do you think Jesus asked Peter whether he loved him so many times? Yes, we have the first response, which is it redeems the three denials. Yes. Three times Peter denied Jesus, three separate times when he was asked. And perhaps this was a way of kind of mirroring that and redeeming that. Peter's mission needs to come from his love for Jesus or God. Yes. It was so important, right? It was so important that Jesus had to Ask him three times, do you love me? Because this is the basis. Love is the basis for whatever Peter is going to do for the rest of his life. Right? Jesus felt that Peter was still lost. Yes, perhaps he was. To forgive Peter's past action and to redeem him, it was a mirror to the denying of three times. To restore Peter, Jesus wants to hear from Peter directly. Yeah. The answer of agape did not surface, okay? He wanted to ascertain if Peter had repented or had realized his mistake. For Peter himself to face his love and his betrayal. He wanted Peter to be sure. Yeah. Jesus wanted Peter to reflect on his response and not just to respond reactively. And that is true, right? Sometimes we are reactive and we go, oh yeah, yeah, I love you. But when Jesus asks, do you love me? Again, it forces him to really have to reflect on his response. Is this really how you feel? Peter boasted in his love, the highest form of love for Jesus before and he failed. He later realized that he only loved Jesus at a limited level and is able to serve the Lord out of reliance on God instead of relying on his strength. That's true. Very good. To let, Jesus realize what, let Peter realize what he had done. Three kinds of love. Indeed, obviously this repeated questioning had a place for Peter to reflect about what it is that he really feels. Peter is given an opportunity to affirm his love for Jesus once for each time he denied it before. And along with this opportunity to heal the wound of his denial and betrayal, you see, prior to this encounter on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, as one of you wrote, the last conversation that Jesus had with Peter was at the Last Supper. So before this breakfast time that Jesus had with Peter, the last conversation that he had with Peter was at the Last Supper. And during this Last Supper, Jesus told his disciples that he would be with them only a little longer and so he left them these parting instructions. He said, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Right? And you know what Peter said immediately after he told them that? Right? Just saying, okay, I'm going to leave soon, but love each other. Because your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And Peter immediately responded by asking Jesus, Lord, where are you going? 
That was his first response, right? He didn't think much about the love each other, whatever, whatever. But that, that Jesus said he was going somewhere. So he said, Lord, where are you going? And when Jesus responded that Peter can't go with him, but will follow him later, Peter protested. He said, but why can't I come now with you, Lord? I'm ready to die for you. I'm ready to die for you. To which Jesus replied, Die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow, you will deny three times that you even know me. You see, Peter was quite a big talker. He told Jesus that he would die for him. But you, we all know that when push came to shove, he did just as Jesus foretold. He denied Jesus three times. And now, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, in his first real conversation with Jesus since the Last Supper, I wonder how Peter was feeling. Perhaps he felt ashamed and wondered if his word had any integrity. Maybe he even doubted the strength and sincerity of his commitment to Jesus. After all, I'm sure he believed he was sincere and committed on the night of the Last Supper too, right? And yet, hours later, he had denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. What he needs in this moment then is not for Jesus to tell him, your denials are forgiven. Let's just forgive and forget and we can move on together. It wouldn't repair the relationship in the present and it wouldn't calm Peter's doubt about his actions in the future. You see, the issue isn't Peter's lack of faith in Jesus as much as it is Peter's lack of faith in himself. Is his word credible? Will Jesus be able to count on him again? So Jesus gives Peter a parting gift. The gift Jesus gives Peter is a threefold reminder of how he can demonstrate his love for Jesus, a restoring the wholeness. At the Last Supper, Jesus had told the disciples that to demonstrate their love for him, they were to love each other. But at that time, that simple command didn't sound heroic enough for Peter. And it just kind of like passed through his head. He wanted to declare his love for Jesus in a grandiose way. So he shouted that he loved Jesus so much, he was ready to die for him. Only to find hours later that he wasn't ready at all. What Peter needs now is not just forgiveness. He needs to be restored to wholeness. And so Jesus tells him, you know what, Peter? I don't need your heroism. I don't need grand gestures or declarations of love. You just need to express that love in action by feeding my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Instead of berating Peter for his lack of faith or for his failures, Jesus invites him to express his love once more and issues him a call, feed my lambs. Peter has failed many times, yet Jesus continues to call him into service. And it is the same with us. We may fail at times, but Jesus is inviting us to express our love once more 
and to put it in action by taking up his call to take care of God's people. Do you love me? Why is this the most important question that Jesus had for Peter? Because it boils back down to our motivations. Peter had good intentions, but his motivation in the earlier stages of his relationship with Jesus was wanting to prove himself. Jesus, why can't I come with you? I'm ready to die for you. I wonder how many of us have had a similar experience. How many of you feel like you have had to prove yourself at work or in your relationships, on your families? I was listening to Brene Brown's Dare to Lead podcast recently, and one of her guests, Adam Grant, said this, Instead of saying, I'm here to prove myself, think of it as, I'm here to improve myself. Instead of saying, I'm here to prove myself, think of it as, I'm here to improve myself. How often have you felt the need to prove yourself? I have. Whether it's as a daughter or as a pastor, or as a friend, or as a leader, I've sometimes felt the need to prove myself. We live in a society that constantly demands that we prove ourselves and our capabilities. And sometimes, like Peter, we think we need to prove ourselves to God. But that's not how God relates with us. God sees you, all of you, the good, the bad, the ugly, and God loves you and me. There's nothing to prove. There's absolutely nothing we need to prove. We are here just to improve ourselves, to grow in the likeness of Christ as we grow in our loving union with God. You see, when our deeper motivation for doing the things we do is wanting to prove ourselves, like Peter did, we will often end up hurting others and ourselves, and we will ultimately fail. And that's what happened to Peter. But when our motivation is love, it pushes us to go beyond our own self-interest, our own narrow hearts, to give of ourselves and to grow to become the people that God made us to be. But this is not all fluff. Right, it's not all just talk, because sometimes this call to love may involve a cost to ourselves, perhaps even the cost of our lives. Historically, we know that this was true of Peter and of most of Jesus' disciples. Following the third and final question and response, Jesus proceeds to describe for Peter the type of life he will live in his old age, if you remember. The picture that Jesus paints is not all rosy and happy. Instead, it's quite bleak. He tells Peter that he'll be taken away where he doesn't want to go, and it ends in death, presumably by being put to death for the sake of the gospel. And even so, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. This reminds me of a true story that I read recently. 
Maximilian Kolbe was a Polish Franciscan priest known for his leadership and his skill as a writer. And while he was a prisoner at the Auschwitz concentration camp, he chose to save the life of another inmate by offering his own. And this was what happened. A prisoner had escaped, and because this escapee was not found, the camp commander decided to choose 10 prisoners and ordered that they die by starvation as punishment. The commander chose 10 prisoners, and among them was a man named Francis Gajauschnitschek. When this man learned what was to happen to him, he began to cry with pain and despair that he had a wife and children and that he wanted to see them again and that he was going to die. And at that point, Father Maximilian Kolbe stepped out of line. He lifted his cap and he declared to the commander, pointing to Francis, that he wanted to sacrifice himself for that prisoner as he had no wife or children. The commander asked him his profession and he replied, I am a Catholic priest. And there followed a moment while the SS showed a certain surprise. Then the commander ordered Francis to get back in line and Father Colbe took his place among those condemned. Francis Gajonishek survived the war and he was reunited with his wife. And he actually lived to the ripe old age of 93. And throughout the time he was alive, he said, as long as I have breath in my lungs, I would consider it my duty to tell people about the heroic act of love by Maximilian Kolbe. In a world that thinks domination is power, Jesus shows us that real power is not the power of domination, but rather the power of love. And that's why Jesus asked us this probing question, do you love me? Because love has to be the underlying motivation for all that we do and all that we are. When we are able to look at life from the vantage point of love, we see that our being and our joy increase to the same extent that we give it away. We see that the real significance of our life grows the more we are willing to move beyond our own self-interest and give away some of our life to help take care of others. So, what are some ways you can help take care of others? What are some ways you can give away some of your life to help take care of others, especially those in need? those who are struggling, those in pain, those who need God's love to tend to them, to heal them. What are some ways we can all help take care of others? And that is the way that we feed the sheep, tend to the lambs. Donate, yes. And I would say donate, donate not just your money, and please do that, donate your time, donate your energy, donate your service. In the midst of saying donate, I just wanted to thank all of you for donating to the TMAT 
for the tea shelter recently. We've been collecting a lot of the groceries. I know that this has been an unusual time and we had to do, shift around some ways to do it, but thank you so much for donating and putting that love into action for those who need. Helping out with chores, creating community, yes. Do not be afraid to do volunteer work, to speak up for the voiceless, being present with others, looking out for those around, donating clothes or food, to reach out to some people. Acts of kindness daily. And that's lovely, right? Walking the journey, to just check in on people. That makes a difference, right? To give of our time, mutual aid, hospitality, praise, saying a kind word, holding space, caring for others, absolutely. To empathize, to be available, to smile warmly, to say a kind word. And sometimes it doesn't take a lot, isn't it? Just to extend that hand of love, to take an unpopular stand, to speak up for victims, yes, to offer any help if possible, to do activism, to give directions, for example, yes, to ask someone, call someone to ask them, how are you? And perhaps at this time, when we are all a little bit more isolated, where we all can't go out and dine together as we usually like to do, perhaps pick up the phone, zooming someone, calling them and asking, how are you, really? How are you doing? That is love. That is us taking care of others. Right? Yes, please continue to fill up um, this word cloud. And I, I want to put it as a word cloud because I want it to be our combined contribution so that all of us can look at stuff on there and go, oh yeah, that's a great suggestion. That's something I could do too. All right? So I see Smile Warmly has many, uh, quite, is growing, right? Because sometimes it's just really about the attitude of our hearts, right? And how much love we carry with us wherever we go. And so when God gives us opportunities to help take care of someone, let's take it. Because in the end, this story in John 21 is not just about Simon Peter. And it's not just about us. Most importantly, it's about the flock whose care has been given into our hands. Rob Bell said that the church is at its best when it gives itself away. He said, it is when the church gives itself away in radical acts of service and compassion, expecting nothing in return, that the way of Jesus is most vividly put on display. Love one another as I have loved you. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. There is a call to every one of us that the blessing of God should flow through us to a world that is hungry for bread and for love. And this next question I may ask you may seem random, but I assure you there is a point, okay? So it's a multiple choice question. So when the disciples and Peter, they went out to fish, how many fish did they catch after Jesus told them to throw their net off to the right side of their boat? Okay, how many fish did they catch? And it's actually recorded uh, in the gospel. Okay, but how many fish did they catch? Was it 87? 
Was it one two zero one three one one five three? Okay, just guess, okay? You don't need to go flip in the John 21, but you can if you want to, okay? I see some of you probably want to flip. <laughs> Very good, uh-huh. Yeah, so not 87, uh, definitely above 100, right? Because <laughs> when Jesus says, do it, for sure you get a lot of fish, right? Okay, so definitely more, more than 100. Okay, one two zero one three one or one five three. come. Right, see, I see slightly more people for one five three. All right? So very good, right? One, two, zero, a little bit also. All right, so just, just guess, all right? How many fish did they haul in after a whole night of having no fish, huh? not even one, when Jesus tells them to throw their net off to the right side of their boat? Okay? So as some of you may have realized, and the majority of you are right, the answer is one five three. There was 153 fish that they hauled in. And my question is, why so specific? Why was it so important to tell us the specific number of fish that were caught? I mean, does it really matter? You know, like just say there were so many fish you couldn't even begin to pull it in, right? Why one five three? Why so specific? Rachel Hell Evans in her book Inspired posited the theory that the number 153 in rabbinic numerology signifies completion. All right? So in the Jewish rabbinic numerology, it signifies completion. And perhaps it corresponds to a specific prophecy in Ezekiel that describes a great river full of all kinds of fish flowing out of the restored temple. And John emphasized that the net was full but not torn which means that the net might symbolize the church holding a great diversity of fish together in unity. And early Christian art depicts, depicts Peter and John holding a net on either side of a stream flowing from a temple, suggesting that they made that connection too. So, what's the importance of 153? It means that God wants a diversity of a church coming together in unity, the fullness of a church, full but not torn. And that's our call. If you love me, feed my sheep. Not just the sheep that is in your own fold, but a great diversity of sheep coming together in unity. And the underlying motivation for all this to happen has to be love. If I could summarize from these two recent sermons, last week and this week, what growth and living a resurrected life means, it would be to show up, especially when it's difficult. To learn to let go of people and things when it's time. And to know that you're here to improve and you have nothing to prove. It's learning and knowing that we will fail and disappoint God, others and ourselves at times. But having the grace, courage and compassion to get up, to realign ourselves with God and to continue the journey. And that growth is motivated by love. Last week I ended the sermon by asking you, how will you allow God to love you this week? And today I leave you with this question that Jesus asked Peter. Do you love me?
That's all God wants to know. Is what you do and all that you are motivated by love. This is a mutual two-way relationship that needs to be cultivated day by day. It doesn't just happen overnight. And like any relationship, it takes time and intentionality. So as you reflect on how you'd like to cultivate this relationship with God, I want to leave you with this thought from Henry Nolan. Jesus said, make your home in me as I make my home in you. Speaking of himself as a vine and of his disciples as the branches, Jesus says, make your home in me as I make mine in you. And this is an invitation to intimacy. Then he adds, those who remain in me and I in them will bear much fruit. And this is a call to fruitfulness. Finally, when he says, I've told you this so that my own joy may be in you and your joy may be complete, he promises ecstasy. These three themes are the golden threads woven through the whole of John's gospel. When Jesus says, make your home in me as I make mine in you, he offers us an intimate place that we can truly call home. Home is that place, that space, where we do not have to be afraid, but can let go of our defences and be free. Free from worries, free from tensions, free from pressures. Home is where we can rest and be healed. When Jesus asks, do you love me? He's actually saying, please make your home in me as I make mine in you. And from this safe space, you can learn from your mistakes, you can heal from your failings, and let my love flow through you to a world in need. Amen. And now as we move into a time of Holy Communion, Jesus is inviting you again to the table and says, breakfast is ready. Come, sit down, have this meal with me, my friend. We gather each Sunday at this table. Even though at this time we are not all physically together, the table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You don't have to be a member of FCC. You don't have to be baptized. You need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. When Jesus sat at tables and broke bread with the tax collectors, lawyers, rich elites, and poor peasants, he proclaimed that God's radical love and abiding presence know no bounds. Through these occasions of sharing food, every person experienced God and shared in God's kingdom. A kingdom, a kingdom where, where all, all are welcome, welcome all, all are worthy, and all are invited. A kingdom, a kingdom where, where lives are transformed, transformed and empowered, 
and the fruits of God's gentle justice bloom throughout creation. All people, including each of us, are invited to share in this sacred meal of celebration and be strengthened by the presence of God in this place. Remember that Jesus fed 5,000 hungry people with five loaves of bread and two fish. At this miraculous meal, there was such an abundance that people ate until they were full, and there were even 12 baskets of food left over. Holy God, we celebrate your abundant care and solidarity revealed in this meal. Remember that while sharing a meal with Pharisees, Jesus welcomed a woman viewed as an outsider. As the woman anointed his feet with oil, Jesus declared her dignity before everyone at the meal. Holy God, we celebrate your gracious inclusiveness revealed in this meal. At these meals, Jesus and all his disciples revisited the divisions, resisted the divisions, injustice and violence of society. They lived out instead the kingdom of God, a place of love, justice and mutuality. But we also recognize that not all people liked Jesus' ministry. For some people, it was scandalous. They said, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. When his arrest seemed near, Jesus ate a meal in an upper room with his disciples. As he had done so many times before, he took bread, and after having given thanks to you, holy God, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, this time saying, Do this to remember me. And after the meal, he shared the wine gave thanks and said, I will not drink from this cup again until I drink it with you in the kingdom of God. Can I invite the stewards to come forward to help distribute the elements to those who are on site? And for those of you who are joining us online, please prepare some elements uh, that would represent for you the bread and the wine.
Jesus was then unjustly killed by the systems of domination of his day. To some of his frightened disciples, it seemed that the bread symbolized his broken body and the wine his blood. God, God the, the kingdom, kingdom of God, God persisted and persists today, today through the many, many people who seek to be your resurrection community. community. Holy, Holy God, in the sharing of this bread and wine, we joyfully celebrate the hope-inspiring ministry and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let us partake of the elements together. Together let us pray. Gracious, Gracious God, may this meal be for us an Emmaus meal, where we encounter your presence in the sharing of this food as the disciples did and their meal in Emmaus. May the sharing of this food be a taste of your kingdom, holy God, so we may be strengthened to be your joyful and hopeful disciples. And may we share in your kingdom of love justice, and mutuality with those around us. Amen. Jesus said, do you love me? Jesus said, do you love me? Thank you, Pastor Pauline, for this sermon. I want to invite everybody to take some time to pawn. To think about the, to ponder about, <laughs> do you think about, you know, about what was said during the sermon? And type some of your reflection if you want to, to the chat box itself. Jesus said, Do you love me? Welcome everybody once again to our Sunday service at Free Community Church, where, first, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. You're welcome regardless of your race, your theological background, religion, gender identity, sexual orientation, economy status, education level, etc., 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 and all the different types of labels that people may have put on you. Over here, we wanted to tell you that you are loved because you are God's child. So welcome once again. For those who are regular with us, Welcome. For those who are first time and you're new to FCC, welcome to Free Community Church. And we'd like to get to know you. As we can't see you on-site, we'd like to get, to get to know you online. So you can actually you know, stay, in stay in touch with us by scanning the QR code, which is on the right corner of the screen. Okay? Uh, at the same time, okay, if, you don't like, if you don't know how to do QR code, it's okay. You can type into uh, the web page itself, which is fcc.last/fccwelcome. In FCC itself, every month we actually have a newcomers meeting. For this coming newcomers meeting, will happen on the first Sunday of June, 
which is uh, two weeks from now. Okay, uh, if you are interested to join us online, okay, we'll be at e please email us at info at freecomchurch.org. So now we'll go move towards the giving. So this is uh, for the giving side, you actually got two ways to give. First is through pay now. You can actually scan the QR code. The left is for the general fund. The right is for the building fund. Alternatively, you actually can give through credit card uh, through freecomchurch.give.asia. Let us give thanks for the giving. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for adoring us. Lord, I'd like to thank every single one who is present today online for the service. Thank you for what they have given as a token for, your, for their love for you, for this church, so that we can use this wisely to reach out to others who need to hear, who need to hear that you love us. You love us. You love us as who we are, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' precious name, Amen. Now to the announcement segment. So you will see me one last time now for one, one announcement today. Um, so today, for my part, the announcement I have is talking about Huosui or living water. So what is living water? Just give a, 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 a quick background. Living water is actually part of FCC's signature activity or, you know, group that we have. So we have initially started off as an English uh, ministry on living water about LGBT reconciliation, understanding the Bible on LGBT. Recently, we actually started the Mandarin version of living waters. And to close the Mandarin version of living water, we actually specially invited uh, one of the pastors from US, Ouyang Wengfeng, uh, to talk about queer as Christianity talking about his perspective, talking about his journey as a gay Christian also. It will be held on the 8th of June, 2021. As you can see, it will be in Mandarin. Okay, so if you like to sign up, okay, you can actually email at uh, email info at freeconscious.org to find out more or you can actually register via that and we'll send you the link. Now I'll pass it uh, back to Pastor Pauline. I uh, will go through more on the rest of the announcement. So, we have a very exciting June to look forward to. Uh, June, as you know, is Pride Month. It's also the month of Pink Dot. Uh, and in conjunction with that, uh, we are organizing um, a series of panel discussions, panel sharings called Hard Truths. And this will be held in conjunction with Pink Fest in the month of June, from the 4th of June right up to the 18th of June. Um, every Friday, uh, three Fridays uh, from 8 to 9.30, and you have the different topics that we'll be covering from very diverse uh, panels of people who will be sharing from their own experiences and from their own insights. And so, um, if you're excited to join us, uh, please sign up. Uh, these are all complimentary, so just sign up. It will be online. 
at fcc.la slash heart hyphen truths. Together with that, uh, we have a very special Sunday service, a special ping dot service on the 13th of June, right in the middle of June. Uh, and we will be having it on YouTube Live as we normally have our online services. Um, and I want to invite you to come listen to heartwarming stories and let's celebrate our allies and families together. I want to have a special call out today especially. So if you have experienced the love and the support of allies in your life in some way uh, and you're willing to share about it, can you please reach out to me at info at freecomchurch.org and we would love to have your sharing be part of our service of on the 13th of June. All right, so come join us and be involved. On the very same day on the 13th of June, uh, we have a special program, um, a talk on LPA. Uh, and this will happen right after service at 12.30. It will be online. This will be done by one of our leaders who is a, lead, uh, who is a lawyer. And uh, he has done this talk before, but it's been very helpful to a lot of people who have questions uh, that they want to ask. So for example, if you're wondering what's the difference between having a will and LPA, come. Come and find out. If you are concerned about how do you protect the people that you love, and especially within the framework, the legal frameworks that we have in Singapore, uh, this will be a wonderful talk for you. So just um, sign up at info at freecomchurch.org and we'll be happy to see you there. All right. So that's the end of our announcements and I'd like um, to pray the prayer of benediction over you. And so will you receive the benediction. Jesus says, do you love me? And in doing so, he's inviting you to make your home in him and to let him make his home in you. And so now go. Go as God's people, resurrected a new creation, people who are not afraid of failure, people who are willing to grow and allow God to do new things with us wherever we are. And that in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we are, may we truly do it out of love. Amen. So we've come to the end of the service. Thank you so much for joining us this Sunday. I hope you have a wonderful day ahead, a wonderful and blessed week. Thank you. <laughs>